14 Peaks, Nothing is Impossible, is a compelling documentary currently available on Netflix. It tells the story of Nimstai Persia, a fearless Nepali athlete, and has vowed to climb every mountain in the world higher than 8,000 meters and in less than seven months. It was a death-defying feat and NIMS broke several world records in the process, including the fastest ascent of all peaks over 8,000 meters without supplementary oxygen. His final finishing time was actually six months and six days. Of course, the story's fascinating because of the physical and mental challenges, but also because of the heartwarming backstories of NIMS family and friends. Ian Grech, is an editor based in London, and his work contributed greatly to this beautiful film. I spoke with Ian about his workflow, Premiere Pro, building the storylines from a myriad of different media formats and sub-stories. Ian worked with over 100 hours of footage. This is really a very interesting workflow, so stand by, Ian Grech, coming up. It's time for OWC Radio, Tech Talk with Creatives. Conversations with host Serena Catania. Ian, welcome to OWC Radio. Thank you very much for having me, Serena. I'm really excited about this. I watched <laughs> I watched the film. I took 15 pages of handwritten notes. It was it was amazing. You as an editor, why the decision to go on Premiere Pro other than another NLE like Avid, which you normally would cut on Avid, right? Is was there yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Went... I mean, I normally flip flop between both. Really, I've um, I've had a background that has kind of gone the full gamut of you know going through the the final cuts, the final cut Pro era, then on Avid and and Premiere Pro. It's just. Um, slightly different um slightly different approaches technically obviously um i think just as a production company they uh, the guys were like were keen on using it and it and it's something that when i work with the the no media group guys uh we tend to use premiere predominantly and there was a project that talkwell uh jones who's a director um and i worked on in 2019 uh we cut that on on premiere as well and it was all um it all totally fine. Technically, it's a bit different. Obviously, we would it premieres one of those bits of kit that can handle mixed formats, but we're talking about 100 hours of of rushes that was that was just shot by Nims and his team. So we would have a lot of it was say GoPro or drone or phones, uh, you know. So it's like I I wasn't initially that comfortable with having using the raw media of that because it's just like she's just asking for a crash you know <laughs> mammoth crash um but charlotte the edit assistant transcoded everything you know so it was like all pretty uniform and it was just like working off an avid by the end of it anyway mm -hmm. you know and um throughout the how many months was i on it for um about not about eight months i think it was about eight months of of actual cutting and anger um i had i had two crashes i think in total which is unheard of i think on projects like that it's like, i think whatever for whatever editing software you use you know you, you're with that 
amount of media you, you like you might have the odd slip, hiccup here and there but uh, we had such a minimal amount it was great you had footage in there that was 4-3 you had 16-9 you had wider you had stock footage you had animation yeah um, yeah you know I'm sure some stuff was shot in 4K or 6K or 8K or 500K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you know no. We had, we, had, we had a real compendium of <laughs> footage to work with. So how big was your team? So for our editing team, there was uh, obviously myself cutting. Um, there was Charlotte, who uh, was our edit assistant. Um, and there's a guy, Elite, who was part of Nims's team on a handful of the climbs who was filming um, some aspects of it for like social media, things like that. And he, he was he was really, really helpful because not only did he help with Nepali translations, but also when it came to organizing the footage for the chronology of the mountains, uh, he could help us understand what camp three on Annapurna is because I don't come from a mountaineering background. So it's mm -hmm. like, to me, originally it was just, it looked like a, an awful lot of snow and really high up. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So, uh, but in terms, that was essentially the editorial in terms of actually using, using the kit. Obviously we had talk called Jones, who's a director and we worked very, very closely in the edit and we always have done. It's a really good relationship, constantly bouncing ideas off each other. There's a, another chap, Gabriel Clark, who was the writer. He's a documentary maker in his own right in the UK. And he was really help. He was just a great help to bounce ideas off when it came to structure. So we'd have our index cards. And we would start swapping things around and say, well, okay, we can combine this here, combine this here. Because you can imagine the amount of chapters that you, we could have. I was looking at that going, how did they, and I was trying to write down the story beats as I was watching this and thinking, <laughs> okay, where's the thread? And it, it was wonderful. It was difficult. It's very difficult. But you know what? I want to go back to one thing because I interrupted you. We were talking about all the different types of footage that you had so can you review yes. for people listening what did you get and from whence it came and how <laughs> did you and charlotte and elite handle it yeah we had a whole world of of different formats and acquired footage from all kinds of places so obviously we had about 100 hours of nims's footage shot on gopro shot on um small DJI drones shot on phones, as well as, and obviously all of that was being transcoded. Uh, anything that was shot by Talkwall, um, such as the flashback sequences, or there were a couple of pickup sections that would have been shot 5K red, or shot 4K on an Ari, or, or something like that. Um, or, and then for a lot of the interviews, um, just through the nature of the time that we were filming in, um, it was obviously kind of mid-pandemic kind of time. So a lot of a lot of the times, Talkwell couldn't travel. So he would have a crew in, say, the States, or I think there might have been one in Austria or somewhere like that. Um, so Talkwell talk have uh, some teams in, say, America um, or elsewhere, and he would be operating from London. They'll be shooting on their Blackmagic or their Canon cameras, or you know, and then they would send it over to us charlotte would transcode everything to prores proxy that was sort of my request to have it as lightweight as possible so when handling 
handling something in Premiere, it's a, it's a piece of software that can can work with more compressed formats uh, and sort of MP4s and things like that. But when you're working with 100 plus hours, mm-hmm. it's just I'd rather the computer was working on doing something quickly for me rather than just trying to mm-hmm. trying to kind of work through. Well, also when you compress, you're going to drop frames, or I just want it to work. I just want it to work as smoothly as possible yeah. and as less least problematic as as possible. And luckily, we had a bit of lead time before I started the project, so about six months before, because of the nature of of Project Possible, NIMSA completed the project, and then the footage came over to us. I think Torpal met NIMS originally. It's kind of mid, either midway through Project Possible or, or kind of near the, the second half of, through the second half of the project. So it wasn't one of those things where talk was like, you need to get kind of this shot on Mountain One and things like that. A lot of it was handed to us. But luckily there was a few months before, a few months between Project Possible ending and me starting the edit where we could, ha- we could converse and there was the time to kind of, there's always that pay now or pay later, isn't there? Absolutely. <laughs> in, 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 in post-production, it either like, yeah. hey, rush all the footage in and start cutting with it and then potentially have problems. Um, But we decided to, okay, we'll spend the time, transcode everything, and it works incredibly smoothly. And was Charlotte also logging for you or? No, so um, Charlotte was purely working from from a kind of technical technical background of of things. So what was really handy was going through footage and transcribing the Nepalese transcriptions. So that was really handy when it then came to to the actuality because mm-hmm. a lot a lot of the time they'll be just chatting between themselves you know in, in Nepali and I wouldn't have the faintest idea what what, what was being said um so yeah it was it was kind of it was a lot of talk all talk can edit in his own right as well so he he would go through a lot of the footage as well which is which is a big help but there was no uh in terms of in terms of assistant editors in the kind of logging way in in, in in that kind of speech that we didn't really have that so it was kind of myself talk building it and yeah so it was quite the <laughs> luckily it's a really good team so and we're so used to working in a small team that uh just from my background so i've known i've known talk my entire career and um we are from a originally from a kind of sports tv background you have to you learn to be really self-sufficient in those in those kind of arenas as such so um yeah we've kind of you end up doing a a lot yourself you know (laughs) it's It's the first mountaineering film uh, that, that I've done, uh, so it was quite the learning curve in terms of the uh, the technicalities of mountaineering of of going, oh my word! It's and and also it's just getting little little elements of obviously the technicalities of mountaineering, but it's not necessarily a mountaineering film. It's because the biggest the the biggest take homes from the film is about the inspiration that 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 Nims can. Um, can project and that resonates with that can resonate with everybody you know it's it's kind of whatever you want to do in your life if you've got that sort of grit determination and the the willpower to do it you can you you can achieve it you know there's there's no saying it's completely impossible you know um and as well as that obviously there's the there's the Nepali story as well of the of the team 
and um so the, the the mountaineering aspects of it was almost a wrapper to to these kind of um to these sort of deeper deeper stories um as well elements. as yeah exactly that the, yeah. the human aspect as well as nims's crazy backstory because he's got he's just a fascinating guy um just with his military background and then just fundraising for the project as well um and dealing with china and his mother in the middle of all of that and his mother and, his and that's mother. another massive human aspect of it so it's it was it was really interesting when we were getting a bit further down the line with the edit because um there was a decision had been made quite early on um from more or less from 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 the top that we were going to be hitting 100 minutes you know that, that that decision had already kind of been made so we had that challenge of how are we going to unpack so much stuff in 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 100 minutes and when when we had the first cut down it was about 2 hours 15 rough, roughly and then we start to look at okay what can we take out and not and not collapse everything you know and not, and not completely kill the story um or dilute stuff so much that it becomes nothing you know and when we when we were going through that process the human aspect was really shining you know so it's just like okay we can't take his wife out you can't you can't take you can't take that relationship with suchi out you cannot take the relationship with his mother out you know we need to have more of the nepali team mm -hmm. you know the relationship with his brother when his he's brother, when he's yeah. you know and and it's and all of that all of that everybody's got relationships like that you know and and we can all we can all completely relate to you know the you know the different difficulties that we would always have in life you know and, and having family to fall back on and being uh, the family being the, the bedrock you know and um and the fact that if nims's mother died during the project she was the only thing that would stop him doing the project everything else he could deal with but when his mother got very very sick at the end of the second phase of the project he almost quit you know and um so you can't lose any of that at mm -hmm. all you know and and it and, and it, yeah it became a much more human story from that and um so yes it's a mountaineering movie but it's also not a mountaineering movie it's a lot more with the, with the, with the human aspect right i love the way you wove in all the stories the sub stories the sheriff uh, his brother his military service his mother really nice so let's go back to workflow for a minute because we have a yeah, lot of, of editors who love listening in to this <laughs> and who are going to have questions. I want to make sure I don't get in trouble sure. with our tech audience too. <laughs> of um, course. So you have sources from everywhere. Charlotte and and Alit are yeah. helping you organize the footage and telling you what's in there, getting you used yeah. to the geography. While you're working, I'm assuming, with NIMS and with Torquil on the story aspects from their point of view, right? And talking about, I'm assuming you had some discussions about color and how are you going to grade this and what the yeah, look of the yeah. film is going to be like. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I am also a colorist as well in my own time. Well, say I'm, I I'm also a, a colorist. About that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm also a colorist, but I, I didn't grade this film. I was, I was purely offline editor. Um, uh, Jack Jones was the colorist in, 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 in London, and uh, he's a, he's a great fella, but he probably hated me with my, with my notes. <laughs> it's like a fellow colorist uh, giving a colorist notes. He's like, yeah, thanks. Um, but. Um, <laughs> Well, it's uh, not an easy job on this film. So many sources. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. No, ab yeah. Absolutely. No. 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 It's uh, and and just varying qualities of footage as well. It's not just different, you know, um, uh, color offsets and things like that. We're talking, you know, we're, we're we're talking some footage that's just uh, just like ten, like just HD or sometimes lower than HD. Um, as well as uh, you, you know some 5k you know <laughs> you've got a whole yeah. like a whole world of, of, of different formats so yeah yeah there, there was discussion i was doing temp grades through the edit as well just to see what could could or couldn't work once it got to jack he you know we we let him do his thing and uh yeah i wasn't i wasn't being too uh <laughs> were sort, you grading on on resolve or what were you grading on no 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 i i was just doing temp grades in uh in premiere okay um, and what yeah. about what about him what was he using do you know to color he was on base light he okay. he was he was he was grading on base light for that okay. yeah i'm 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 normally a, a resolve colorist and um and jack uh, I think it's a film light and base light colorist. So, um, so, 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 luckily, I, I couldn't be one of those people that that would be like, oh no, don't do it like this, don't do it like that, because I I wasn't using the other bit of software at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, imagine yourself back in the cutting room and look around for us. This is radio, so we can't literally show it to people. But tell us what hardware you have around you. What are you using? and what software you're using other than Premiere Pro to support what you're doing, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we, we were kind of not not completely going over the top with it. Um, we had, yeah, I think we were using like HP, HP edit stations. Uh, we had obviously a multitude of uh, backup drives around and it was sent off for LTO by the, by the finishing house. I did some editing from home as well. So I've got like a Mac set up at home. I, I was just working off the low res, uh, the, the, the ProRes proxies, but I still had like a 36 terabyte drive or something like that. So, um, uh, that was quite full. <laughs> How were you? communicating with your remote team because this was during the pandemic were you using anything like frame.io yeah, so, yeah or... so so yeah we, we, we were utilizing frame.io um as well during um i sort of got quite into using frame.io kind of at the start of the pandemic really on, on other projects where i'll just be it's i found it incredibly useful you know really handy to fire things over and it was quite quick and plus getting reviews reviews back from from um, directors and producers and everybody we had a lot obviously there were a lot of producers and exec producers on on the film and everybody works ever so slightly differently so some people would leave notes on on frame uh, there were a lot of emails <laughs> there were a few phone calls because also with some of the some of the producers we didn't 
see physically you know like like jimmy uh jimmy chai and anna who are execs they were they were based in the states um so there were phone there were phone conversations but um i personally have not per- I, I haven't personally met them but but i was on a couple of phone calls and talk was on the phone a lot with them but a lot of the producers might come into the suite and see things and yeah it was uh yeah. <laughs> it's tough when you have that many cooks in the kitchen. You must be a very patient person. And... I find it as part of the fun. I find yeah. it as part of the fun. Yeah. You know, every, every, everybody has a slightly different opinion on, on the approach to something, to, your, to, to the story. And especially when you have to start making those really tough decisions as, okay, what's going to hit the floor? You can get you know ev- everybody's got really strong opinions as to kind of how okay how do we approach that and um uh, luckily Talkland and i always am very much on the same page so um so we'll, we'll work with the producers we'll collate all the notes and a lot of the times we don't we don't move forward until we have all of the notes just so we can then combine those because we don't want to start going down the road and then somebody else comes in with something that completely contradicts everything that we're doing and it's like, you know, we can't. <laughs> um, so yeah, so sometimes there are things that we can't do that, that that some people are asking. But yeah, we try we try our very best to to obviously uh, adhere to what everybody's saying. But yeah, I find it as part of the fun, you know. <laughs> well, you have a of... really creative group there. I mean, you have the the names on that list are pretty wonderful. So I imagine yeah. that it was a great experience. I'm curious back to workflow because I keep going back to workflow because this no, is of course. for an editor. This is a very complicated project. <laughs> how did you and if you remember, how did you organize your bins? Did you organize them by mountain, by storyline, by date, by how how did that work? So that was with the bin and sort of folder organization. We would go by um, by mountain just for, for the for the straightforward chronology. Um, we would the, the, the nature of the project made that part of the job quite simple. You know, we'd have Annapurna Camp mm-hmm. One ba- mm-hmm. base camp, Camp One, Camp Two, camp, you know, Summit, mm-hmm. um, uh, and then there was sort of interstitial parts of the project where they would have like before they get to the mountains or they they'll be traveling to Pakistan or you know um the the very end of the project so it was it was fairly straightforward in that sense to break that part down uh, and we also had some some pickup shoots we also had the reconstruction shoots mm-hmm. um with say Nims's brother or the shoots around um Dorset in the UK where Nims is um, Nims is running uh, running along a, a kind of cliff cliff edge, which is all part of his kind of special forces training. A lot of that was shot kind of all up all at once. So um, so 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 that that would come and we just break that down kind of independently. Mm-hmm. So it was. I found the the kind of organization part of the project. I didn't find it that complicated. It was um, I think because purely the nature of the project, in terms of project possible, it was it there was a clear chronology. The bigger challenge was once when we were when we were trying to break down the story and to weave in the other narratives. That was where it became a little bit more complex as to kind of okay, at what point 
um, at what point do we start bringing this into it? And you have the the twenty minute problem at the very start of every every film or documentary, which is okay. We need to unpack so everyone understands what's going on, and you're not missing you're not missing key parts of the story. And then once you've got that clear, you can let the story kind of breathe. And um, that was that was kind of the biggest that I found as the biggest challenge. Um, I'd say I found it quite fun, but it's uh, <laughs> but it's um, yeah, in, yeah. In terms of folder organization, it wasn't wasn't as complex as as you might think, considering the amount of footage we had. <laughs> and and something that was interesting working on the project was that because it was predominantly shot by Nims and his team. So while they're climbing these mountains, they're, they're obviously they're, they're 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 filming it at you know eight thousand meters is crazy, but. Because of what they're doing, and because they're having to climb at such a speed, they're not approaching it like a like a film crew would of say, okay, you know, we'll we'll have our camera structure, you know, <laughs> break down our, our script. Mm, at that point, you're lucky to get the shot. <laughs> Precisely, yeah. So, yeah. so, 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 so there were some certain mountains where we would have hours and hours and hours of footage like the very first mountain I think we had like about 10 hours of footage on Annapurna and then there will be other mountains where uh, Nims is aiming to climb to uh, three of the mountains in two days and he's not going to be hanging about to, to to get shots so to so the footage that we we received was only a handful handful of shots to cover a chapter so there are certain chapters there's certain mountains that we um, we literally didn't have kind of we couldn't make a ten minute scene of that because we would have five shots. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just the nature of from bottom of mountain summit. You know, <laughs> and um, so it, it it kind of helped when we were telling the story of the project as well as trying to weave in the other the other stories you know so it's um yeah so 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 there, there, there was a sometimes a disparity of, of the amount of footage that, that that we would get but it, it certainly didn't stop us from being able to tell the story of that mountain as well i thought it, the film was really well done so in terms of the story and the script once all the footage was in and you guys knew what you had and you'd all discussed the approach to it did you get a script from which to work or as with many more reality documentary projects did you also become something of a story editor as well how did the story work so originally i think talkwell and gabriel worked really closely to kind of get kind of a bit of a, a bit of a script but it was it was quite loose you know um of like okay this is where we could sort of go with it and and then we'll it's always a discovery isn't it in a in a, in, 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 a, in a documentary so we would we would start going down a certain way with it and then we you know we'll start just finding other things you know <laughs> so gabriel and talkwell would have kind of a bit of a script in mind and then that very slowly kind of we chip away at that and start and it starts just the story begins to evolve and we we start with that original framework and um once we kind of knew what the chapters were to be i, I would have index cards literally just on the, on the edit suite wall and talk while i would point at you know we would we would start moving moving those around and i was coming into the project 
probably a couple of months after the guys had sort of done that original kind of okay these are sort of what the chapters could be and so there's kind of I, I would have a bit of a coming fresh almost you know and and it would be like okay could we move this to here could we combine these chapters together and um i would i, would, I was color coding them as well so it's just like you could see where secondary narratives were we're coming in and it's not like we're doing just tons of mountain, uh, tons of the project and then dro dropping in around a bit of secondary and then we're not seeing that character that we're talking about for another hour, you know? So it was just trying to then get that kind of visual reference as to, okay, this could be, this could be the story. And yeah. And then, and then that eventually starts to chip away as well, <laughs> you know, and then that was before we even got into the feedback process. It's a puzzle. It's definitely a puzzle. It's a great puzzle. You know, I, 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 I sometimes say it's a bit of a game of Jenga, you know, especially <laughs> when, especially when you start to do that, especially when, when, once you've got your long cut, once you've got your long cut and you then have to start pulling bits out and so say it can, it can be a, it can be like a, a little game of Jenga. I'm curious about sound. What were the main challenges for you? Because I thought that you did a really good job with it. I didn't notice, uh, and it's a good thing, I didn't notice a real discrepancy between the various sound sources. I thought that when it was mixed, they did a really good job. I don't know if you did that or if you sent it No, out. no, there was a guy called Dan Weinberg, um, who was, the, um, was, who was the, the dubbing mixer on it. And uh, we worked with him loads, loads in the past, and he's great. Um, I normally... I mean, obviously, it's two thirds of the picture, isn't it? The sounds. So we, uh, I would always do attempt sound mix uh, as I'm cutting. So uh, the, my, the the number of tracks I had on my on the final sequence was 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 ridiculous. I want a picture of that. I want a screen grab of that. <laughs> Seriously. I do, I, I do. I do. I do have a screen grab of it. Yeah. I would <laughs> love worry. to see that. I think we should put that up. <laughs> So yeah, no, I um yeah, so I I would always have I yeah just just to, just to sell it because also you you get the tone of the, the tone of the scene as well with the sound you know and and I normally go quite heavy handed on the, on the sound design during the offline as well just so you can really sell the scene and. Uh, that's before it then obviously goes. It, this was going off to to Dan in the in the in the dub, in which then I think a lot of the times they they would they would almost strip all of that out and then start their own you know their own process and extra foley and and things like that. I mean, it's always an amazing process. So you go, go going through a dub and then you hear something that you've cut and even though I've gone sort of quite heavy handed and it's just like what I've done is just almost a reference for, it's like, we're thinking of having of some spot sounds here and there, you know, uh, but you know, the, the set, the, the, the effects that those guys in audio would come back with are always a million times better. Than, <laughs> that's than why be, they're there. I'll, and I'll that's why we need Exactly. Them. <laughs> exactly. Precisely. Yeah. yeah. So I made a note watching the film, sound effects, visual effects. Mm-hmm. You're juggling a lot. Who did the visual effects for the film? It was a handful of people. So, so Noah Media Group have um, their, their own in-house guys. Uh, so it was a guy called Hugo, 
who did the 3D maps to illustrate the main project. It's uh, another guy called Adam who was doing our kind of 2D graphics and like the the, the social media sequences, um, uh, things like that. There was a company called Presence that was doing the illustrated flash uh, kind of illustrated flashback sequences because you just wouldn't have that footage just wouldn't exist you know mm -hmm. so that there would be times where there were there were in three three sections three parts of the film where we had these illustrated sequences one of them is where nims was shot right. in the special forces um obviously we're not going to have footage of that there was another sequence where he was walking down one of the mountains that slipped. Um, that just happened to be as they're coming down the mountain, not going up the mountain. <laughs> so, um, so the guys just weren't recording. Um, and there was another time where Nims gets, um, he's been up a mountain for a really long time. He's just done a, a rescue attempt. Uh, he's really low on oxygen uh, and he starts to suffer with high altitude cerebral edema called HACE. And, he starts to hallucinate and he eventually sees a yeti so he's obviously we don't have footage of that <laughs> so, of course. But, but, but the guys at presence did a really really good really great job with um yeah just a really nice style and it just really kind of melded everything together really nicely i thought yeah i agree but, with you. but yeah but no it's, it's there was kind of there was uh the crazy haze sequence in the film was actually just that was just done in the edit where he's having this almost psychological battle and it's a really sort of slightly psychedelic sequence. Mm -hmm. Very, lots of, lots of flashing images, lots of picture overlaying picture, all that kind of stuff. Um, but that, that was all done. That was all done in the edit. You must be really proud of this. I mean, th this was, yeah. <laughs> this was a big job. This was a big job. Yeah. Yeah. Well it was. Done. It was. I mean, yeah, no, it was a really, it was, a really fun project and it was a really good team and like the collaboration is such a key aspect of this and if you can't collaborate with with the team well then it just doesn't work and we had like Nanita Desai as our composer and she was she was incredible we were doing temp tracks and finding reference mm -hmm. audio and things like that to kind of get a feel of the tone and then Anita would then send something back and it's like, yeah, this is way better. You know, oh, that's, <laughs> this is way that's better. That's wonderful when you can work with a composer that dances with you, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was really harmonious. The mountains had their own song, the mountains. Am I wrong about this? But I, 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 I was I listening think... to the music and I was thinking there's a theme, the mountains are singing in their own ominous way to us. Oh, that's a really appear. interesting. That's a really. I've never. I've never actually. Con, I've never considered that. And I'll. I'll probably have to go back to Nanita and discuss that with her because I think. Yeah, that's something very much. She could have very much have had that. Uh, that approach. I mean, editorially, we try to give each mountain, uh, or each key mountain, its mm -hmm. its own character. You know, like we've got K2, you know, the Savage Mountain, and, and it's just ominous when you see it. And, um, but yeah, each each chapter or each mountain that, that we were on, we would have a different theme as we're, as yeah. we're going through it. And yeah, yeah no, abs absolutely. The music was a key aspect of, of, of selling that. The music was very well done. I was going to ask you about it, actually. It was very well done. It helped with the mood. It helped tell the story. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, no, no, no. I'm a huge, I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of Anita's work. And just from going, as I say, just going going from our, our temp tracks that, that, that we were working to, which some of them were, were 
just very good tracks anyway and then the moment we'll get it back and it, you'd have the kind of some kind of N nepali accents in there and um just it immediately was like yes this is the film you know this this is the film it's not it's not a bit of music trying to force force the narrative along it's like no this is completely harmonious with the story <laughs> yeah so i think the mountains did have individual personalities but they were all you know the mountains rule you when you're doing this kind of thing the mountains oh, absolutely really yeah. are in charge and so that was obvious from the music and then the juxtaposition of more of the comedic partying sometimes and that's just how those guys and... were that's just how <laughs> those guys were you know and, and, it's, and it's, you can't you couldn't get rid of that in, in, in the in the in the storytelling because it's no. it can't just be it can't just be all very very serious as much as it is you know what they're doing they can die at any moment but they've got this amazing attitude which is, you know, we're, we're going to party and then we'll be we'll be hung over and then we'll climb the third highest mountain in the world, you know, in one go. And <laughs> uh, it's just completely well, insane. But it's, uh, it's, it's just representative of that character. Yeah, and the laughter and the partying is a way of reducing the stress too. You see it with people who are in wartime, you know, they, mm, they mm. joke around a lot. Is there going to be a behind the scenes on this movie? Because I would love to see it. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's been a discussion yet on that, but uh, but never say never <laughs> on, I think on, it on be, something on something like this. Yeah, it would be absolutely fascinating. <laughs> what were the deliverables on the film? Can you talk about that for a minute? Actual deliverables to Netflix uh, was past my time, basically, mm -hmm. on the project. So, so after after I locked, I had I had some involvement with the creative in the grade and the, and the dub, but in terms of actual deliverables, that was I wasn't across that. So, uh, but um, Netflix were involved. They came on board pretty late in the in the offline um because we had already decided to make make it a, a, a feature doc as opposed to like a series and it would have been just something very different again you know um if it had it been like a, a longer series but it's um so it went out to tender to it was then to be sold and and netflix picked it up and uh, they, they, yeah, they had they had feedback and they had their own notes uh, as to what would best target their their audience. And obviously, they they've got a whole world of of research, you know, that they have as to what what works with their audience. So so we we, we would address that, and then then we were locked, locked. You know, <laughs> the nature of obviously locking is. Uh... I always tell everybody never put final in the media. No, 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 no. Because you, you'll have a yeah final. <laughs> put V3, a date yeah. on it or a version. <laughs> no, it's, nothing's ever final. So looking back on it, it uh, was a very lengthy but very rewarding process. What was Absolutely. the the one thing you're most proud of when you think about this film i think i think the fact that it is more than i think the fact that it's more than a mountaineering film is really important and just to get that kind of human aspects across uh was really key i mean my favorite scene in the film is uh when they're climbing k2 and the, the 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 entire 
story of climbing that mountain has its own ups and downs it's its own film in its own right but as they're climbing there's a discussion between there's a riff between nims with his philosophy as to why he climbs because it's making him feel alive and also reinhold messner who was the first mountaineer to climb all 14 so he he was the original and it took him i think 16 years and nims is the fastest you know and but they both have the same philosophy you know they, they both have to very different styles of climbing but they both do it because it makes them feel alive and they're making the most of their life and it was just a really kind of really lovely sort of poetic let's say riff between between the two between the two guys what i thought worked really really well um as well as everything that was encompassing that one part of the film where there was a group of mountaineers that try to climb have failed and nims are saying no we're going back up there big argument <laughs> you know with other mountaineers about them saying you're crazy you know you're just gonna die um but he he does it and he succeeds and then the yeah. other mountaineers follow him you know um it was just a really beautiful end to that story so is there anything about this film that changed the way you live your life today <laughs> um oh it's a good one. No, no one's no one's asked me that, and I think yeah, that's uh, I so you've caught me off guard there. Um, <laughs> good. <laughs> good. Yeah, good. No, I think <laughs> with every project like this, we take something away, and it yeah. changes us in a small way. I'm just curious. I think the positive. I think the humbleness of of Nims. Cause I I met Nims at one of the at one of the screenings, and um, he's just such a really lovely, humble guy. As mad as what he did and for all the bravado that that comes with that um he was super humble and just a really nice nice guy and it, it comes across in the film as well some people might think you know we we made sure that we got his humble side across um just having that positive mindset on anything that you want to do is the biggest take home from the film and i think the, the biggest thing that i personally would take from it saying saying nothing's impossible somebody like nims can say that because he backs it up with everything he's done in his life you know and it's, there's some things that we might think it's literally not possible <laughs> but we can have we can have the grit and the mindset to do our absolute best i think we can really take something from from that and not just give up I think that I think that's the kind of big thing too that I that I kind of took from that. So what's the next step for you? Do you have anything in the future you want to talk about? Or are you taking a rest from all this for a minute? I wish that break was longer. I am on a project. Uh, I'm just I'm just finishing um, a, a primetime show in the UK, um, uh, Top Gear in the UK. Uh, and then I go into another dock, but I can't quite talk about it just yet. In a in a couple of months, I I I will be able to talk about it. But um, but I think once we've once we've got our feet under the table in that in that offline, uh, <laughs> we'll um, uh, we'll we'll see. It's a very it's a very different film to uh, to Fourteen Peaks. Um, it's a big human aspect to it. Well. Ian, I have to tell you, I think you did an amazing job. I think people are going to love this movie. They already are loving it. I really do wish you the best with it. 
And we're Thank all you. wondering what NIMS is going to do next because there's a little <laughs> tease in the end. It's like the lady or the tiger ending. <laughs> What's behind yeah. door two? I'm not going to ask you because that wouldn't be polite. But yeah, I, I hope we do hear from all of you again with another project. And yeah, we'll uh, do our best to help you get the word out about this one. No, that's great, Serena. No, thank you very much. Ian, thank you for taking the time. I know you're in London. You're nine hours ahead, so it's quite late there. <laughs> but but thank you. I appreciate it. And, no, uh, absolute pleasure. Yeah. This is Serena Catania with OWC Radio. He's Ian Gregg, and we've been talking about 14 Peaks. Thank you for being with us. And everybody, remember what I always tell you, get up off your chairs and go do something wonderful today. Thanks for listening to OWC Radio.